Welcome to the teaching ministry of Pastor Jay Everly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. Watch your Bible, you can open to the book of Ecclesiastes. And we're going to go to the 10th chapter. And uh, we'll just see. This could be where we stay, we might not. Ecclesiastes chapter number 10. <clears throat> Years ago, I was uh, brought to this verse. The Lord took me to this verse and began to talk to me about it. I didn't realize there could come so much out of Ecclesiastes. But the 10th verse, it says, If the iron's blunt and you don't wet the edge, or we'd say sharpen the edge, the iron is the axe. If an axe is dull and we don't sharpen the edge, then must... We put to more strength, but wisdom is profitable to direct. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Um, really, this verse is talking about doing things, whether, whether we see it right there or not, uh, but in the whole counsel of God's Word, it's talking about doing things in the Spirit as opposed to doing things in the flesh. Yes. See, the wisdom of God, the Bible calls Jesus the wisdom of God. And he'll give us wisdom for anything in life. But he's telling us wisdom will sharpen the axe. An axe is a tool to cut down a tree or harvest a tree, if you might call it harvest, get the tree to fall and then take it in. You know, back then they'd build houses and they'd have to cut down the wood. Well, we still do today, but we don't cut it down ourselves. But um, that's talking about receiving, getting the harvest in is really what he's talking about. He's saying if your axe is dull, getting the harvest in is going to be hard. If you have a sharp axe, it won't be so difficult. Isn't that what he's saying? Now with that in mind, go to the fourth chapter of the book of Mark and look at something that we find Jesus made this statement. We know the parable of the sower. And the parable of the sower talks about sowing the seed. Jesus said the seed is the word. He said the soil is the heart. That's us, our spirit man. And he expects to get something to produce a harvest off of the seed that's sown into our lives, the word that has been sown into our hearts and lives. But it's not automatic. Just because we heard the word doesn't make the harvest automatic. Or getting the results. You could say results. Uh, there's results as, a, as, as we take care of the soil and protect the seed. Water it. So forth and so on. Then Jesus, after the parable of the sower, down there in verse 21, we're in this Wednesday night, he says, a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed. He's talking about, I don't light your spiritual candle. Reveal the truth of my word to you so that you can just put it out, you know. Walk away from it and don't do anything with it. Or try to reason it away. And then he said, there's nothing hidden in verse 22, but it'll be made known. That's he's saying, I'm not holding the truth that makes you free from you. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. I've got ears on the side of my head, but that doesn't mean I'm hearing what the Word of God's saying to me. I, it can bounce off my eardrums, but it doesn't sink in. Anybody ever had that happen in your life? How many have ever read a verse over and over and over again, or heard something preached on over and over and over again, but all of a sudden you went, oh, well, yeah, so of course. <laughs> I've done that many times. 
So that's what he's talking about. Having ears to hear means more than just, you know, having these flaps on the side of our head. Let him hear if you have ears to hear. Take heed what you hear. In other words, not just uh, King James says what you hear, and then Luke's account says how you hear. He's talking about making sure and having good soil for your seed, the, the seed of God's word to come in. Take heed how you hear and what you hear. In other words, number one, make sure what you're hearing is the right thing. That means you might have to turn some things off that you're hearing. You know, you're hearing all the bad reports on the news and stuff. You might have to turn it. Make sure what you're hearing is the right thing that you're hearing. And then once you're made sure that the thing you're hearing is the right thing, then after that, make sure you hear it right. You can hear something and not hear it right. You know. So he said, take heed what you hear. Pay attention to what you hear. The measure you meet, well, it'll be measured to you. And unto you the hear shall more be given. So he's telling us if we have ears to hear, more will be given. And the degree, I like the amplified, the amount of thought and study we give to the word will determine the virtue and the knowledge, I think. Something like that. I'm quoting it kind of close, I think. The virtue and knowledge that will come out of the word to us. So take heed to it. And then he said, uh, the measure we meet. In other words, the amount of faith we mix with it. And the amount of thought and study we give to it and meditate on it, determine how much we get. That determine how much we have how much we have ears to hear. For he that hath to him shall be given. He that hath ears to hear, he'll get more. He that hath not ears to hear, from him shall be taken that which he hath. Well, why is the enemy able to take that which he has? Well, go back here and you studied the parable of the sower. You know, the first kind of ground was the wayside ground. The word is sown. When they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. What is the, why, why can Satan come and take away the word that is sown in their hearts? Matthew gives us more understanding. You don't have to turn there, but I'll just quote this to you. Rather than just say, uh, you know, Satan comes and steals away the word. Jesus said in Matthew's account, He that hears the word, this is the 19th verse of the 13th chapter, He that hears the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked way and catcheth the wicked one and catcheth that which, uh, and catcheth away that which is sown in his heart. So he doesn't understand it. He heard it, but he didn't understand it. So you can hear something, but not understand what is being said. Spiritual truths is really the main thing God wants us to hear, not just the surface truths. So if we have ears to hear and we understand what we hear, we'll keep getting more if we walk in the light of it. Can you say amen? Then he said, the kingdom of heaven is if a man should cast seed into the ground. The seed is the word. We already said that from the previous parable. But this is true about any principle. Uh, verse 27, uh, he should, man should cast seed into the ground, sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. And the earth bring forth first the uh, fourth fruit of, the, of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. Look at this. Now, verse 29. And when the fruit is brought forth, the, the harvest or the fruit, just see what sort of jumps on into the barn. and You sit there and twiddle your thumbs. Huh? No. When the fruit is brought forth, immediately he, that's the man that sowed the seed, puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. He puts in the sickle. The sickle. Say sickle. Say axe. See, in Ecclesiastes he said an axe, and here he's talking about a sickle. Both of them are harvesting tools. Hallelujah. And so we must mix it. What is your sickle? Your sickle is your faith. 
That's what your sickle is. That's the way you harvest the things of the Word of God. You get a harvest off of it and start practicing it, acting on it in faith. You've got to put in the sickle. I, I bet that a lot of us, I'm not a betting man, but you understand, that a lot of us have sown a lot of seed and there's a lot of harvest out there for us, but we haven't put in the sickle to get it yet. We just thought, well, we'll just sit and wait and we'll just see if, see if God does anything. I sowed that seed. It does not come automatic. I mean, it'll grow automatic. Notice he said over there about the seed, it'll, it'll spring and grow up. You know, he knoweth not how. You can't make it increase. You can't make it grow. You can't make it produce the harvest. But then once the harvest is produced, God won't bring it into the barn. The angels won't bring it into the barn. That's you, you releasing your faith that causes the angels to do that. Y'all follow me? So in Ecclesiastes, what he's saying there is, if we have to have a sharp, we have to be sharp in faith. Sharp spiritually to get our harvest. Amen. Anybody have any seed in the ground? Seed of the word, you could say. Or just seed and sowing good things into a relationship. Or sowing seed finances, uh, finances or, or ministering to somebody, encouraging somebody. That's a seed, you know. All these different kinds of seeds. The Bible talks about them. Sowing your time or whatever. But uh, if you have a seed in the ground, then that will grow. God will multiply it, but he doesn't, do the, he doesn't cause the harvest to come back in. Amen. So what do we do then? We have to get our faith sharp. Sharpen our axe. Amen. That's our harvesting tool. Now, your harvesting tool is not your job. The Lord told me back whenever he said, there's miracles going to begin to happen. He said, I want you to preach financial miracles. So we're going to do that. Amen. I don't know how we're going to preach on marriage. I guess we have to do it on Wednesday nights or something. Or go get the series from the previous years. Well, <laughs> But uh, I just couldn't get away from this this morning. So we're going to go with it again. Your job is not your sickle. Amen. 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 You can be a workaholic in the natural and really not get anything anything done spiritually. Go back over there to Hebrews. These are verses you've looked at and you're familiar with them. But sometimes we let them slip and we just need to remind ourselves of them. Uh, Look over in the fifth chapter of Hebrews. Notice the, let's just read the 12th verse. He said that you be not slothful, but followers in the margin of my Bible, rather than followers, it says imitators. And that's accurate in the Greek. Be imitators of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now notice through faith and patience. Uh, One translation says enter into the enjoyment of the promises. In other words, that's how you enter into things. That's how you receive from God. Remember, the Spirit of God told me one time, He said, faith is the only currency in the kingdom of heaven. It's the only thing God honors in exchange for goods and services. That's what we bring to God to receive from Him. Faith, not good works. Not I have a good work ethic. Don't misunderstand me. We need to have a good work work ethic. Don't misunderstand me at all. You understand that. But what I'm saying is you can have all that and not exercise faith. Notice he said here, verse number 12, he said that you be not slothful. Well, I'm not lazy. I have, I have a job. I work hard. Well, that's good. Don't misunderstand me. But you can do all that and still be lazy. The word slothful means lazy. Lazy spiritually. Amen. And the, 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 the mindset that so many of us grew up with, we might have got a good work ethic, although I'm finding a generation coming up that's not getting a good work ethic, you know. But uh, so we got to talk about that, too. 
But yet, right on the other hand, here, we've got a mindset that we do all the natural things and that'll make it work. Well, uh, it's not always making it work. How many of you found that out sometimes? In other words, you have to have spiritual things working for you. The real, the, the real root of uh, provision and the real root of poverty is in the spiritual realm. And if you don't do anything in that realm, then nothing's going to happen financially. Oh, you might get a little ahead, but it'll be stolen away eventually somehow, some way. You know? You understand that? But real, true, permanent, make you, you know, uh, make you last forever, financially secure kind of thing is going to happen because of spiritual things in place. Making sure spiritual things are in place. You all there? You going home? And to operate in spiritual things, we have to be sharp spiritually. Um, The Lord said to me one time, he said, and this helped me so much. He said, when you're sufficiently in the spirit, things that you want to get done will be done with ease. They'll be accomplished with ease. (laughs) Amen. Let me say that again. When you're sufficiently in the spirit, things are done with greater ease. Things are difficult when you're in the flesh trying to work them out or rationalizing everything through trying to figure it out. It's more difficult. The reason it's difficult is because whenever we're in our rational uh, reasoning trying to figure everything out, the devil is is the god of that realm. Trying to see reasoning. Well, I can't do that because of this, but I can't do. Well, but the Lord might have told you to do that though. Well, that doesn't make any sense. You know, we should have good sense, shouldn't we? Well, the problem is a lot of sense has been corrupted too because of the fall of man. Amen. Good sense is different than just, you know, natural, what the natural man calls good sense. Amen. Go over to first Peter, actually second Peter chapter number one, verse number four. We'll just shuck this while we're right here. Shuck the corn right here. Second Peter one, verse four says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Get this. And here's what I wanted to get to. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Then you, without maybe turning there, some of you might want to turn there. You can if you want. But 2 Corinthians 11, 3 says, I fear lest as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety or craftiness. Remember, that's talking about the Garden of Eden. So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Notice where the corruption, he said, there's corruption in this world. Another place in 1 Peter, Peter called it pollution of this world. Amen. Actually, 2 Peter, it is. 2 Peter 2, 20. After that you have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you again are entangled therein, the latter end is worse than the first. He says there's pollution in this world. Why? Because of the God of this world. And he pushes a certain kind of knowledge, you know, based on, based on him. And confusion that he brings. That's what he tried to get into Eve. So Eve's mind was corrupted. Right. <clears throat> Remember the Bible said that if Paul said, I fear lest your minds be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Yeah. Satan tries to get us in our figuring things out with our mind. And it corrupts our thinking. And things become difficult. Because we think, well, we can't do that because my way is blocked because I don't have the finances to start a business. Well, see, you're just looking at things seen and Satan's deceiving you through things seen. 
Well, I don't. How am I going to do it? What you have to do, if God told you to do it. That's the first, that's the most important thing. If God told you to do it. And number two, he said it's the time right now. Then if you step out then, the provision will come as you take the step. Amen. That's right. But if you stand back in the corruption of your mind thinking, I can't because I don't have the investment funds to start it or whatever. You understand what I'm talking about? Am I making any sense this morning? Then your mind has been corrupted from the, thing, the God of this world who's the God of the seen realm. He'll distort things that you see and get you thinking wrong because of what you see. Like whenever the Lord said to me, buy that land, I thought, my goodness, this is the worst time. <laughs> you know, to buy land. Yeah. I thought, yeah. find out it's the best time. Praise God. Amen. Half of the money's been pledged this year. That's never happened at Spirit of Faith. Never, never, never happened at Spirit of Faith Family Church. Never. Half of that's never been pledged. I don't think even a fourth of it's been pledged before. I go back and check maybe, but I just don't remember, you know. <laughs> Woo! It's a good time. See, that's another thing that gets corrupted. Our timing. We, we think wrong about the timing. You know, God never says to me, I want you to do this. Is this a good time? And I want you to give that person $100 for groceries or something. He never asked me if it's a good time to do it. He always just says, I want you to do that. And I found this a lot of times whenever he tells me to do it, it's not a good time. In fact, I almost got the idea after a while, he picks it when it's not a good time. On purpose. I think he's doing it on purpose. <laughs> because you have to step out and get into the arena of faith. Glory to God. If you never step out when the Lord leads you, then you're never entering into this realm of the supernatural supply. But if you'll get past your mind and enter into the spirit and follow the Holy Ghost, you'll get into supernatural supply and get beyond your natural ability to produce it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So we want to get beyond our own rational thinking and what people call good sense. Amen. You know, here he said, Eve corrupted Satan's mind. Excuse me, Eve, uh, <laughs> Satan corrupted Eve's mind. His mind's already corrupted, Satan. Uh, through really, you know the story, hath God said? And she said, yep, this is what God said. But then Satan put a thought in her mind that defiled her thinking. Well, he knows. You know, that's just the way he said that's because he knows you'll be, your eyes will be open and you'll, you'll see and understand things. As a result, she started thinking differently about God's word. Amen. And, uh, she didn't stick with what God had said. And as a result, the Bible says in the seventh chapter of Genesis three, their eyes were both opened and they knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and they hid themselves. Isn't that right? All because Satan uh, using the power of suggestion to get her to doubt God's word. And her mind was corrupt, her thinking. Something got into her thinking, you know, that kept her from really obeying God. Isn't that right? That's an interesting verse there. It says in verse 7, this is Genesis 3, 7, she had a new kind of knowledge. Both Adam and Eve had a new kind of knowledge. Since knowledge took the throne. See, all of a sudden now they became aware that they're naked. They had never really had any clothes on before that. They were clothed with the glory of God. But that glory left. But then, see, now they're more conscious of themselves than they were of God. Before that, they were conscious of God and His presence and the glory of God and spiritual things. They're more conscious of that. That was the dominant kind of knowledge that they walked in. Now, through sin, the sense knowledge took the throne. 
You understand that? So it's a new kind of knowledge, and revelation knowledge is now held under. Amen. Now what they saw and felt dominated them rather than what God said. Now, Satan has corrupted her mind, and one thing that has been corrupted through the fall of man is good sense. You understand? What about using good sense? Well, your, good, your sense is only good if your mind is renewed. Since the fall of man, the senses dominate him. Amen? But you have to get our, we all have to get our mind renewed. The world calls good, oftentimes what the world calls good sense is things that the Word of God tells us not to allow to govern our lives. Amen. The God of this world's corrupted people's good sense. And really what people call good sense, if you analyze it, in some cases is nothing more than unbelief. I'm going to shuck the corn here in a minute. Just hold on. So their minds are blinded by logic. If they can't figure it out logically or mentally, they don't trust it. Well, I can't figure out how this would be a good time. Like when we started the daycare, it just did not seem like a good time. I mean, really, you ought to prepare some to get ready for starting something like that. And the Lord said, do it now. We had to get it done by January 1st. We had just a short time to get it started. Didn't seem like a good time. But boy, did it work out. Oh, my goodness, did it work out. Oh, man. The kids are winning. (laughs) Amen. You see, the five physical senses don't always tell you the truth about everything. They're trained by the natural world where Satan is God. And he has corrupted things. Natural sense knowledge will, will tell you lies sometimes. And Jesus, well, actually, let's go back to the Old Testament. Do you remember the Bible talks about Jonah getting, he thought, you know, God told him to go and preach to Nineveh. And he thought, no, that's just not, they won't listen. And, you know, he was mad at him. He didn't want him to repent anyway. And so he just decided to go to different, you know, get a ticket and go the different direction. Go a different direction what God told him to go. And so um, then he got, uh, he got into great trouble. The, f- the storm came and he was swallowed by the fish. You remember that? And after he was spit out on the beach, the Bible says he said, They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercies. That's in Jonah. I don't have the reference. But they that res- observe lying vanities forsake their own mercies. You look at the wrong things, you're going to miss what God has prepared for you. Sense knowledge will keep you from receiving from God. Amen? amen? Say amen a little louder if you can. Amen. So the product uh, of the five physical senses is rationalization. The product of, of the spirit realm is faith. Faith's not the product of the five physical senses. Amen? Or the reasoning that the five physical senses gives birth to. I've been through situations that just seem like the best time to quit. This would be a real good time, God, to quit. Now, I've been through situations I've thought, not, not in more recent years, but in times past, I've thought, Lord, this would be a great time for you to blow the trumpet and come and get the church. <laughs> but see, we're not to have an escapist attitude. Amen. We're to use our faith in the middle of these things. Amen. So faith's not the product of the five physical senses. <clears throat> faith is the product of revelation knowledge. Things that have been revealed to your spirit by the Holy Spirit in the Word. Which the logical mind can't figure out and to the logical mind doesn't make sense. 
I'm not talking about just always going against good sense. I'm talking about if the Spirit of God reveals something to you to do, and it goes against good sense. What, what we call good sense. To not walk in the light of what the Spirit of God revealed at a time like that would not be just using good sense. It would be called unbelief. And you don't need to have some angel choir come down and sing the hallelujah chorus and then say, do this, if it's already been written in the Word of God. It's good sense to do this. It doesn't make, always make logical sense, but it is good sense if your mind is renewed. Amen. God told Noah to build an ark on dry ground when they'd never seen rain. That doesn't make sense, does it? Joshua crossed the river Jordan and they, then they got up to the edge of the river and God said, keep on walking. That doesn't make sense. But it split open as they kept on walking, didn't it? All these things that God tells them to do. I mean, you go around a city and you, and you run, go around seven times on the seventh day and blow a trumpet. That doesn't make good battle sense. <laughs> but it worked. You see, we got to learn to not be led by good sense if our sense is going against what the Spirit of God's telling us to do. Amen. Shout for the Lord has given you the city. And you shout and the voice echoes through the house and nothing seems to happen as a result. That doesn't make sense. But see, in the spirit realm where you couldn't see, something was released. Hallelujah. Jesus didn't use good uh, rational reasoning to deliver men when he walked the earth. Hallelujah. He used their faith. Reason would have said to Jairus, whenever Jairus came, said, my little daughter life at the point of death. Reason would have said, I'm sorry, I'm not a doctor. I don't think there's anything I can do. Isn't that right? But Jesus didn't operate in reason or good sense. Even after they come and said, she's dead. She already died too late. Good sense in most people's minds would have said, oh, that's too late. Isn't that right? We went up to your dad's hospital room and good sense would have said it's too late. But we didn't do that. Hallelujah. Because the Holy Ghost said, the spirit of death is here, rebuke it. Amen. So Jesus didn't use what is commonly called good sense. He operated in the realm of the spirit. Amen. Now, if Jesus would have operated in the realm of good sense, he would have hit that wall that the, 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 the boundaries of the natural realm and its resources, the limitation of its resources, you know. And he would have backed off of it with natural reasoning of men and said, there's just nothing I can do. But Jesus didn't rationalize it away. He thought thoughts of God. Go over to Isaiah with me. Look over here in the first chapter of Isaiah. A little different this morning. The first chapter of Isaiah is a very powerful revelation in here. A lot lot of these verses are, but look at verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Let us reason together. Verse 18. Let us reason together. Jesus didn't... Notice that verse doesn't say, let us reason against God. Or let us reason apart from Him. If we're going to use our minds, we should use them with God. Not against Him and not apart from Him. 
Jesus reasoned with God (laughs) and said, well, the man's faith is going to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead because he's walking in faith. Isn't that right? So um, you rationalize in your natural mind and you'll you'll come up to things and you'll start reasoning against what God's telling you to do. Or you'll reason that it's not a good time. And you'll back back off of the natural reasonings, limitations, and say there's nothing that can be done. Amen. Amen. Jesus didn't have any quitting sense when it didn't make good sense. And faith doesn't have any quitting sense. Well, the whole world's against me. Well, then we're going to do it without the whole world then, I guess, because it's going to be done. God told me to do it. Amen. Faith just doesn't have any quitting sense. It doesn't stop at the boundaries and the limitations of the natural world. Faith taps into the resources of the unseen realm and brings it into the seen realm to make use of it for the enhancement of life in this seen realm. And you'll, you'll, you, you walk by what is commonly called good sense and you'll be in all sorts of little boxes and limitations that you, you can't go here and you can't go there. And, and so the only way you can see out is to get the government to bail you out. You know what I'm talking about? But, you know, Jesus already bailed you out 10,000 or 2,000 years ago. <laughs> Hallelujah. He bailed you out a long time ago. But operating in the natural mind will keep you from getting out into it. So if Jesus would have rationalized in his natural mind, he would have hit the boundaries of this natural world and the resources of it and said, there's nothing I can do. But Jesus didn't reason with man. He reasoned together with God. Bible says, let us reason together with God. Reasoning is to be done with God, not apart from him, not against him. Amen. The only reasoning you and I are to do is under the assistance of the Holy Spirit and of the word. Not on our own. Anything we start trying to use, start using our mind on, we should always be having the word go through our minds. Well, the word says, well, the word says, well, the word says, well, the word says. Even coming to this budgeting class, well, the word says, well, the word says, well, the word says. Because you can get mental with a budget and, and fo- not follow the leadings of the Spirit of God. You understand what I'm saying? You better listen to this Mennonite boy that grew up in Pennsylvania milking cows, plowing fields, and getting manure in his boots. And being broken, sick, and sorry. You know what I'm talking about. You got to listen to the Spirit of God. Actually, once you start developing your spirit, your budget will be, listen to this, stewardship. Let me rephrase the word. Stewardship will be following the Spirit. Not just trying to save money all the time. Sometimes stewardship means you get something, you do what the Spirit of God says, even when it doesn't make good sense. But see, the problem is Christians haven't developed their spirit and they're doing things that aren't good sense because their own unrenewed mind tells them to do it. And it's not God, so they get out there and they mess up. I don't know if you can handle it or not, but somebody asked me one time, I keep a budget. I've got a budget. I, I lay it out. We know exactly what we need per year, per month, and where it needs to go, and savings, and all kinds of things, you know. I got all that. But somebody asked me one time, how do you budget? I said, basically, because this person could handle it. I don't know if you can, but we'll say it. Those, those who can receive it, receive it. Basically, this is how we budget. We're led. Amen. We're led. Amen. We got it all planned out, but then we're led. Because there's many months we come up to the Lord and says, do this, give that, give 500 here, do this, do that. And I refuse to get in my head because and, and, I've lived there for years and it didn't work out. Amen. Hello. 
not, not contradicting anything that we're teaching in the other class. You just have to be open to being led because you can get real mental when it comes to finances. I've met people that are so mental, they say, I don't have anything. and found out later they had hundreds of thousand dollars in a retirement account. God told me to do this and I can't. What do you mean you can't? You got the money. I'm not talking about a preacher told him to do it. Keep the car ready. I'm leaving right after this. Something about today, some, somebody's not liking it today, but that's all right. Let us reason together with God. Amen. Praise God. Human reasoning is very limited. Go over to the 55th chapter of Isaiah. Notice what it says here. This is a little different direction than I planned on going, but we'll just flow with it. Really, it's, uh, it's helping us. Isaiah 55, verse 7 through 9. It says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have, uh, uh, let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Now, in other words, his thoughts are superior to our thoughts. And his ways are superior to, to, to natural ways of doing things. When you reason with him, he will give you his thoughts. And his thoughts will lift you into an arena of reality that sense knowledge, that the man governed by sense knowledge, I should say, doesn't even know exists. And you can get saved and not even operate in the realm of the Spirit for your entire life because your mind's not renewed and you operate in sense knowledge. Multitudes upon multitudes of Christians still live in sense knowledge. They've never really gotten revelation knowledge beyond the new birth. Amen? But if you reason with Him, take God's thoughts and think them after Him. Meditate on them. Meditate on them until they become your thoughts. It'll lift you into an arena of reality that the man governed by the sense knowledge doesn't even know exists. It's called the spirit realm. And you'll begin to make deductions and conclusions that line up with God and with faith rather than against God in unbelief, holding you out of the spiritual arena, holding you out of the supernatural, holding you out of miracles. Does that make sense? Now, Hebrews chapter 11, I love this. This is something that the Lord helped me with. You can go over there and look at it with me. This is uh, the 11th chapter, the 19th verse. You remember the 11th chapter is all about through faith so-and-so did so-and-so. Through faith Noah, through faith Abraham, through faith so-and-so. They all did things by faith, and it tells us what they did. did. And uh, the Bible tells us that they received a good report through faith. All these people, they got a, they got a, they're the heroes of faith. The Bible put them in a chapter. And Paul, I mean, you know what? We got the football hall of fame and the baseball hall of fame and all that. Here's God's hall of fame chapter. Amen. Amen. So we ought to read all their stories in the Old Testament and look at them, how they operated in faith. Here it says, now notice here in the 19th verse, talking about Abraham. Well, let's go back here. Let's, because of the context, let's go to verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Now listen to that. God had said to Abraham about Isaac that he would be the seed through which really the Messiah would come. 
Okay, all right, so he's the promised seed. He's the one God gave him and told him, this is the son that this is all going to happen through. So Abraham's rejoicing and God said, now I want you to offer him as a sacrifice on Mount Moriah. Uh, all of a sudden, that doesn't make sense. Isn't that right? <laughs> how? Because he hadn't he'd been married here yet and he hasn't had any children. And how is there going to be a seed come out of Isaac if he's dead? God said it was going to happen, but here he says, now offer him as a sacrifice. God wouldn't contradict himself. I must have just had too much pizza last night. That wasn't God. Isn't that right? But notice what Abraham did. Abraham didn't reason against God here or apart from him. Notice what he did. He said, Abraham, uh, verse 17, he was asked to offer up Isaac. He that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Remember the story. He took him up there and Isaac said, we have the wood and the fire, but where is the sacrifice? Remember what Abraham said? Man, go back and read it. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. <laughs> See, he's deducting this isn't really, God's not really taking my son from me. Look what it says here in verse 18. Of whom, it said, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Verse 19. Accounting that God was able to raise him from the dead, even from whence also he received him in a figure. Or in other words, as a type. Yeah, yeah. So if you remember the story, God said, offer him. And remember, he got all the way. He had the knife in the air ready to offer his son. And the angel stopped him. Remember that? He said, now I know you'll not withhold anything from me. And I swear that in blessing, I'll bless you and multiplying, I'll multiply you, so forth and so on. And remember, he turned around, there's a ram in the thicket. And God said, you offer it as a sacrifice in, 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 uh, in Isaac's stead. Hallelujah. But notice, in, in type, he received him back from the dead. Because Abraham was was already resigning that God was going to, notice it says here, would raise him from the dead. If, even if God told him to go through with it, raise him from the dead. Amen. Now notice what it says in verse 19, the very first verse here in the King James, accounting. Now, other translations say deducting, concluding, reasoning. Isn't that right? Notice, what did he do? He reasoned, but he reasoned with God. He didn't reason against God that would cause him to disobey what God told him to do. He concluded, he used his rational mind, but he did it with God, concluding God's going to raise him from the dead or God's going to provide a substitute or something. He's really not taking my son because he already said it's through him that my seed is going to be called. Amen. You can get leadings and then you seem like you get a leading to go another direction. Like in some things in ministry for years, I thought this is where, I know this is ultimately where God's going to have me ministering, what I'm going to be doing. And then God says, pastor, here I am going a totally different direction. But see, that's what was holding me out of it for so long, trying to figure that one out. (laughs) Amen. And when I saw everybody here, I figured it out. God has something he wants to help people with. But actually he's doing something for me too. This is training, this is, this is uh, learning, this is growing and developing. And Hello. See, you can think, well, I know what God's plan for my life is, and then all of a sudden He takes you a direction that doesn't seem like it has anything to do with it. You know, it's a little like a scavenger hunt. In order to find out what's over there, you've got to go over here and read the note. Oh, okay, we've got to go over here. Oh, okay, we've got to go over here. That's the way walking with God is sometimes. You've got to do one thing before you get direction to go the direction you really need to go. And if you don't go there, you won't pick up what you need to get over there. 
You just have to trust and, and not, not rationalize so much that you're always saying, well, I just don't understand. I just don't understand. Well, your heart does, but your mind is what's not understanding. So rationalize, but do it with God. Make faith deductions. <laughs> Come to faith conclusions, not unbelief conclusions. God said, like I know some of the workers in the daycare, God said, I want you to work in the daycare. Not us, we didn't tell them, but God said, I want you to work in the daycare, and some of them took a pay cut to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, their natural mind goes, oh, God's taking something from me. Come on. But they're not doing that. Right. Right. They're saying, I don't understand, but God's doing something in my life here. He's blessing me somehow. Amen. And some of the testimonies that's coming out of us, most amazing things. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I'm, I'm thinking of you. That some of the things happening for you guys. She, God told her to do that. Brandy. She's doing it. I mean, the city now is doing things for them. They had a main water line break in front of their house or whatever. And the city fixed it all. You were going to have to pay, what, three, four, five thousand or something like that? A lot of money. And the city did it for them. Amen. You could just uh, tell testimony after testimony about some of these things. But we've got to learn to not walk in our rational mind whenever it goes against the leadings of the Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. When you need more than what just common sense says you can have. Amen. Or what common sense can produce. Faith is the only way you can get it. Amen. You have to begin to think faith thoughts. Oh, this is better preaching than your amen. If you need more than what common sense says you can have in any arena, more wisdom, more strength, more time. I know God's telling me to do some more things and I'm thinking, oh my goodness. God, are you going to multiply my 24 hours in my day or what are you going to do? But when you need more than what common sense says you can have or you can produce, faith is the only way you can get it. You're going to have to begin to think faith thoughts. Amen. The definition of reasoning is unassisted thinking apart from the Holy Spirit and the Word, which leads to worry, fear, and unbelief. If you and I are dominated by our sense knowledge reasoning, we're going to get right into worry. We'll, 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 we'll slip right into it, which is against the Word of God. And somebody said, well, it just wouldn't make good sense. For, for me to do that, for me to not do that. Uh, you know, sometimes people make, make job changes that the Lord told them to do. But that just doesn't make good sense. Well, that depends if your sense is good or not. If your mind's not renewed, no, it wouldn't make good sense. Hallelujah. Am I preaching all right this morning? What we need to learn to do is enter into the spirit realm because our supply of finances, for example, is in the spirit realm. Amen. Amen. And it's not going to be through sense knowledge that we really enter into the fullness God has for us. It's not going to be just through rationalizing and figuring it out. Hallelujah. We're not left to operate by sense knowledge. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I I am meek and lowly in heart. You'll find rest unto your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So what do we find? If it's hard, because he said his yoke is easy and light. If it's hard, then we're not yoked up with him. We're probably yoked up with trying to figure it out. Amen. So we're limited by our own natural talents and abilities, education, resources, and our own thinking. But the blessing can take you past human reasoning. 
or all your human efforts can get for you. The blessing will take you way beyond. The blessing of the Lord, it makes rich and adds no sorrow with it. So don't spend your whole life trying to protect the, 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 the money. Okay, I've got a good job and I've got to protect that, so that income. Spend your time protecting the blessing. Because that's the real source of all that you have. Amen. And there's no sorrow in that. Protect the blessing. It's what makes rich. Increase the amount of intake of the word that reveals the unseen realm to you. Or you'll fall behind financially. Amen. An increase is not a result of a third job. The gospel is the key to increase. Amen. The supply of the spirit realm, the, your supply is in the spirit realm. The Bible says that. We had, we've preached that in the past. But this method of prosperity through the spirit, as opposed to the world's way, which has a lot of sorrow with it, is received by and according to your ability to reach into the spirit realm. Amen. If your mind's not renewed, you'll keep, you'll keep backing out of that realm. Your, your natural mind will keep kicking you out of what, what the Spirit of God's telling you. Because the Spirit talks down here. Your mind rationalizes from sense knowledge, trying to figure things out. Well, like, for example, uh, there might be something you've tried to step into before in business or something. And you, you hit a wall and you, got, you, know, you, you bounced off of that and it failed or something. And from then on, without walking with God, every time you take that step, you'll have that memory of what happened last time come up and bother you. Well, I can't. I remember what happened last time. But see, that's something that happened. That, that memory that Satan keeps bringing to you is something that's coming out of the spirit realm. He's trying to oppress you with that. You understand? And that's the thing to overcome more than whatever it was in the natural realm that kept you from getting into business. Amen. Fear is of the spirit realm. God's not giving us a spirit of fear. And that fear keeps a lot of people out. Well, what if? <laughs> you know, what if? Well, if you develop your spirit, you won't have so many of those what ifs. Amen. Amen. He supplies all our need according to his riches in. That's the spirit realm, isn't it? He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. That's where the blessings are in heavenly places. He's blessed us. The Bible calls them all spiritual given by the Holy Spirit blessings in the Amplified Version. So your needs are supplied from the spirit realm. That means it's only going to be received by your faith. Isn't that right? The only bridge between the natural realm and this realm is faith. The only way they can come across from there into here is through faith. You've got you to give them a bridge to come across on. So that's the realm of the spirit that that comes from. Money's of the natural realm, but supply is from the spirit realm. That's all the wisdom. That's all the, the, uh, the uh, direction of the spirit. That's all the insight into how God's going to do it in your life. The plan for your life. All those things. That's where the real supply comes from. Amen. True prosperity. I've learned this over and over, seen this over and over. It's true. People that are truly prospering are people that are doing what they really were cut out to do in life. Amen. They're not out here trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. They're doing things that they're led by the Spirit to do that really fit them. Amen. So if it's from the Spirit realm, then it can only be received with your spirit. Because that's the only part of you that can contact that realm. Your mind and body don't have contact with, nor can it receive from the spirit realm. The natural mind, the Bible says, the natural man receives not the things of the spirit of God. I have longed to utter some of these things. And I can tell it's gone past some of you, but I'm going to utter them anyway. And get the CD and start listening to it and listening to it. And these things will start to, start to register on you. 
One thing that God shows you in a a time of prayer can lead you into total transformation of your finances. Just one little thing. And that's just one thing. He can show you all kinds of things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So these are given by the Holy Spirit blessings. Then the anointing is what gives them, in other words. The power of God received by the spirit of man, and that's faith in the heart of man. Your heart can receive things that your mind cannot receive. Amen. God has made a way for there to be a free exchange between him and, and you, and it's through your spirit, man. You've got to turn off your mind because your mind can't see or calculate the supply that God's trying to get to you. It can't comprehend it. It doesn't make sense to the natural mind. If you try to mentally calculate how God's going to supply your needs, you'll miss the supply. How's God going to do it? <laughs> Reasoning is just doubt in disguise. Trying to figure it out. It's just doubt. Figure, you ought to put that on your mirror. Figure it out is doubt. Amen. Faith just rests in what God says. And the devil says, but how's it going to work? And you say, well, God said do it. How's it going to work? That's not my department. That's God's department. Go talk to him about that. He's the one that said do it. Woo! I did it. I preached myself happy. So turn off your mind and stop trying to calculate. Amen. You punch in all your numbers on your budget and it come, you put the final number tells you what you have coming in. You know, and, and it's not enough to match the end of the rest of what you need. Well, that tells you, okay, from, from, from the end of what you have in the natural to the, what you really need, then there's, there's the faith. That's where you're going to exercise your faith. God can bring it in through different ways and through your job. But don't try to figure it out. Listen to the Spirit. The Spirit will tell you what to do. Hallelujah. And a lot of things are going to be unconventional because really, to be honest with you, you have the faith to walk in the unconventional. You've been sitting here hearing the word and that'll get you over into the unconventional. Well, how'd you do that? I heard a man on TV. I, I think he's a Christian. I, I sense he is. I, I, he could maybe not. I'm not his judge, but it just seems like he is. Glenn Beck's who I'm talking about. You know, I'm on Fox News. He said this, he said he's got some businesses because he writes books and does, you know, seminars and stuff, he, all that stuff he does. He said, um, the, 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 I forget who he called them, the experts, I guess, is, to use my word. But he said, the experts all say that the things I do are always backwards from the way that uh, they're supposed to be done. Yet he's succeeding greatly. <laughs> greatly. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, see, he's just, and he talks about, he uses different terms, but he talks about being led from the inside. He talks about his gut. That's what he talks about. That's just another way of saying he's led by the Spirit. But a lot of it's unconventional for him. (laughs) Well, you ought to get a clue. If you try to mentally calculate everything, you're going to miss your supply. You're going to be into doubt because you're reasoning away the leadings of God. One of the keys to flowing with the supply of God is to learn to follow the Spirit. Remember God told Brother Hagin, if you learn to follow my Spirit, I'll make you rich. God will lead you sometimes to even create a need. Because He said He supplies all your needs. And the reason He has you create a need is so He can get you into the supply. Now, I've talked to people who did that in their own natural mind and got a credit card bill. Rather than get a supply, they got a credit card bill. I'm not talking about... You see, with all this is predicated on learning to be led by the Spirit and developing your spirit. I'm not talking about just thinking something up and pulling something out of the air. 
Amen? Amen. A lot of times the reason God leads you to create a need, like this land, for example. The reason He leads us to create a need is because unless something happens that requires us to release our faith, sometimes we don't. We, We bump along satisfied in the status quo. Amen? For that reason, God will lead us sometimes to step out into a need. Something that creates a need. Or He'll lead us into a need. Because if we don't take that step, we'll never tap into the supply that He has sitting there waiting for us. People of faith step out when God says do something, even when they don't see where the money's going to come from. I'm talking about if God says do something. I love the Luke 8, I think it is. Jesus said, let us go to the other side. And they launched forth. He didn't say they launched forth. It says, he, they, Jesus said, let's go to the other side. And then they launched forth. So don't be launching forth unless he said launch. But if he says launch, well, he's got a supply for it. Or he wouldn't have told you to launch. Amen. All right. So we're led with joy. We're led with peace. Isn't that right? We're led to go beyond sometimes our own budget. When we bought this building, we remodeled it. And we were led to go thir- no $16,000 beyond what we had in the bank to remodel this building. Right. Whew, we did it. Remember, we had the first few services without carpet. Yeah, we did. Because we didn't have the money in the bank. We had the supply of God. We didn't have the money in the bank. to. And we, we, the joke was, you know, they come here, they're going to stick. Because <laughs> remember, our shoes were sticking to the floor. <laughs> uh, and so... But how many weeks? I think it was just a week or two, maybe three weeks. We did that, and then we had the supply come in, and we got the carpet down. And here's how it happened. I think maybe, what, maybe six, seven years, five, six, seven years before that, before that need came up, God had us down ministering south of here in Iowa City in a church, and there was a move of God one night, and the Spirit of God told me, there's somebody here that has, a, has some money that's owed to them that's not coming in. Minister to them. So I ministered to them, and uh, of course, I'm not staying in town, so I don't get the testimonies all the time, and I don't, didn't know what happened. A lady and her daughter came up, ministered to them. They'd found out later they'd been in a car accident, and the uh, settlement, the money, insurance money that was due to them out of the result of the car accident was being held up by lawyers, you know. Well, we ministered to him. Of course, left town, didn't know at the time what had happened, except when we came here to pastor, the lady, the daughter of the lady showed up. She's coming to church here for a while. And we started talking about the carpet's going to cost us about 16000 That girl, I think she was 21 or I don't know, something like that, 20, 23 or 4 by now maybe, by that time, I don't remember. Only 18? She whipped out her checkbook and said, here you go, 16000 she said, you remember that time you ministered to us? I said, yeah. She said, all the money came in. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she gave it in two different checks. But, but see, how did God, my Jehovah Jireh was way ahead of the need that I came up to. And he was already in the future. Back there five or seven years ago, he was in the future. Working out a supply for a need that I had five to seven years to come. And when I got there, it was already there. Now, I couldn't see it. If money was rain, there wasn't a cloud in the sky. But God had it. He was way ahead of me. Jehovah Jireh is the God who sees ahead and provides. When you get to your need and you think, why, is, why am I coming up to this? Where's God? I don't see him. The reason you don't see him is because he's already been there and left. He's in tomorrow. Amen. He's taking care of tomorrow and the supply that he made for today is here somewhere. Amen. 
Amen. He sees ahead and provides. So he'll have you sometimes create a need so you can just tap into what he's really got laid up for you. Not by just rational mind, but by the leadings of the spirit. Amen. So we were led to go beyond our budget. We got the need met. Praise God. He sees ahead. Can you, can you believe God sees ahead for you and he's taking care of you? Praise God. So uh, we see that all through the Bible. God uh, led the children of Israel up to, remember whenever God led them out of bondage, they came up to... Uh, uh, you know, Egypt chased them. They tried to get them and bring them back to Egypt. But they came up to the edge of the Red Sea. There's a mountain on this side, a mountain on this side. The Red Sea's in front of them. And an Egyptian army that's mad and has dead babies uh, behind them. Because <laughs> remember, the firstborn was killed. And they're not happy. Hallelujah. Go over with me to Psalm chapter 77. You got your shouting clothes on? Might as well shout before we go. And the Amplified, I, I need to Amplify it again, Ann, but I'll read the King James first of all. This is Psalm 77, talking about whenever God led him up to the Red Sea. It says in verse 19, Thy way is in the sea, and thy path in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Thou ledest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. In other words, he led them up to the Red Sea, and God, they had followed God's leadings up to the edge of the Red Sea. Remember that cloud? By day and the pillar of fire by night was leading them, the Bible said. So they're led right up to a need. They saw God's footsteps all the way up. Where does footsteps go? That's the water. Mountains, can't see his footsteps. Egyptians back there, we followed the footsteps up to here. Where's the footsteps? You got your shouting clothes on? Listen to the Amplified in this. This is the 77th chapter, verse 19. Your way is in delivering your people was through the sea. Your paths through the great waters, yet your footsteps were not traceable, but were obliterated. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. <laughs> in other words, his path led them right up to the sea, and they went, they went, the, his steps went into the water. In other words, he led them to an impossible situation. And they couldn't see his steps in the water. That's what God's going to lead you up into sometimes. He's going to lead you up to the edge of something. And you can't see where God went. Um, I'm blocked. I got water in front. Impossible situations. Bad. My old boss is bad, mad. He ain't hiring me back. You know what I'm talking about? I, I saw a, a, a special on, I think it was the Discovery Channel, one of those channels that does those kinds of things, uh, a special about they studied the Red Sea to try to figure out where it was they went across. And they've done, been studying this for years, but they have actually found, you don't see this stuff on the news. I mean, the news doesn't talk about some things. You know that? But they've actually found old chariot wheels uh, scattered in the water here at this one place. Has all these crustaceans, whatever you call that, algae, whatever that stuff is, coral, I guess, whatever you call it. And uh, they found this scattered out into the water at a certain place. And they did a, whatever they call that, sonogram or whatever that's called, where they, they, they penetrate radar down through the water to see what the, the depth of the, you know, how deep is the water here. And they found that where these chariot wheels go out, there is a land bridge that goes through the water. 
to the other side of the Red Sea. And actually on the other side, there's a pillar, an old pillar that Solomon, they said Solomon put it up there to mark where the children of Israel went across. So they found where, where they went across. But the Red Sea all the way over here and all the way over here is too deep. It goes way down. I mean, the, 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 the bottom of the Red Sea goes way down. And then it's like a steep cliff coming back up, except this one place where they walked across. What it is, is there used to be a river came down out of there, an ancient river, comes down out of between those mountains, and it washed all this sand out into the sea there, and it filled up with sand. Yes, it goes down a little bit, but it's just a gentle land bridge that goes underneath the water right there between those mountains where they walked across. They came down between these mountains, walked the water split, and they walked on that sand bridge. But if you had to split the water that way or that way, it would have been too steep to try to get across there. So God knew exactly where the supply was. He led them up to a need. And you couldn't see the supply, but the supply was there. But your natural mind would think this is not the right way to go. How many have ever been to that situation? You, you, you were led into an impossible situation. God will lead you into impossible situations in the natural and in your mind, but he's got a supply for it. And that's the reason he's leading you the way he's leading you. Besides, the Egyptians were annihilated and that was the last they saw the Egyptians. One reason God leads you into certain things is because the anointing that's going to come on you whenever that supply is made is going to obliterate lack forever. They never saw the Egyptians again. So don't be fussing and crying and boo-hooing when you follow God's steps up to the edge of the water and it doesn't look like you can go any further. Don't be boo-hooing. There's a supply there somewhere. Glory to God. Did you get anything out of this this morning? We've got to walk in the Spirit, not be led by our rational mind if it contradicts what God's leading us to do. Now, we have a mind. God gave us a brain to, to be wise, you know, you understand. But don't let your natural uh, wisdom, so to speak, keep you from doing what the Spirit of God is telling you to do. Oh, it'll take you into some things that you never dreamed you could have. I have a high school education. I have two years of Bible training. And then that's it as far as education goes. My education or limit thereof or lack thereof should enable me to go so far. But I'm way beyond that. In the natural, people say you should get a, a, a college education. And I agree, generally speaking. Unless the Lord's not leading you to do that. In my case, for example, I'm not talking about you, but in my case, he didn't lead me to do that. <laughs> now, if I'd have done it, I'd have, you know, I might have could have got something that would help. But he didn't lead me to and I would have had a big bill. You understand? But God led me differently. So just it's a matter of being led. I'm way ahead of a lot of people with PhDs and DDs and all kinds of stuff. Financially, I'm way ahead of them. <laughs> Amen. Just led by the Spirit of God. Jesus told Brother Hagin, if you're led by my Spirit, I'll make you rich. So really, your ability to, re- to hear from God and walk in the light of what God's telling you is determining whether or not you can walk in some of these things or not. Not figuring it out. I know of a Rama grad right now. Uh, I, don't, I haven't met her, but I know of her. I've been told of several testimonies. She basically um, 
only has a high school education, but she, as far as her natural skills, she's been uh, on drugs. She's been, met her, she messed her life up. She's been married like I think two or three times. Just messed her life up. But she came back to God. Got, got to walking with God. God said, go to Bible school. She got, went to Bible school. She started growing spiritually. Walking with God, listening to God talk. And she now it works with major Fortune 500 companies. A single mom. Doesn't have much more than a high school education. And she now is being recruited by major Fortune 500 companies to sit in their, in their uh, uh, boardrooms whenever they make decisions about acquiring other companies for billions of dollars. And they won't do it until she sits there and gives them advice. True story. And of course, they're saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. Here's your paycheck. <laughs> Amen. Because every time she tells them what to do, it works out. So that her, her boss that was working with her finally asked her to come to the board meetings. And now he's acquiring major companies all over the world. And he brings her into the board meetings and wants her advice before they make the acquisition. She says, well, you ought to think about this and this and this. And they say, uh, okay, uh, it, it always works. So we're okay. We'll do that. <laughs> it works. Always works. Can God do that for you? Yes, 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 yes. Can he? Yes, he will. If you would like more information about Pastor Jay Everly's ministry, please visit us on the web at soffc.org or call us at 319-366-2147 or you can write us at Spirit of Faith Family Church, Post Office Box 8355, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52408. And remember, God loves you. You're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life. 